Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Rush Hour podcast, hosted by myself, Ami Kamal, and Jay Park. And Jay, man, let's hop right into it, man. The return of King James. So LeBron James made his return finally to the Los Angeles Lakers. And funny enough, it was against the Sacramento Kings, which was also the first team that he played his first game with as, as a rookie. This was the longest injury that LeBron has been out due to his brain ankle in his career. So he's been out for quite some time. But he did have a, I call it a decent return. Played 31 minutes. He had 16 points, 8 rebounds, 7 assists. He shot 6 from 12 from the field. He shot okay from the field, but the productivity was obviously not there. And the end result did not benefit the Lakers at all because they lost to the Sacramento Kings. Uh, what's your thoughts on the return of LeBron James and what this does for the Los Angeles Lakers? So I don't want to sound like Skip Bayless, but LeBron James did not have a great return for his first game back. I know he missed a ton of time. I think he missed about 20 games or so. But what happened was, let's jump right into the fourth quarter when it matters, when it counts, with the game on the line. You sound so, like Skip. You sound like Skip. <laughs> so it's 516 left in the fourth quarter. LeBron James checks in for Kyle Kuzma. The score at the time was 96-96. Now, you would think that with the entry of the King, you would think that the Lakers being at home at Staples with AD by his side, with Drummond down low, with Schroeder playing point, that they're going to take this in the bag because who are they facing? The Sacramento Kings, who are one of the most inconsistent trash teams of the Western Conference, if not the league. So it goes like this. So LeBron James checks in, and we're like, okay, it's a close game. It's a close game. It's maybe a one, two, three possession type game throughout maybe un until the very last minute. And in the very last minute, this is what matters here. So LeBron James, as soon as he checks in at 516, the first two plays that he was involved with, turnover, turnover. So I'm like, okay, you just cost your team two possessions as part of your first two offensive plays that you were involved with. And then I'm like, okay, now – maybe we give you the benefit of doubt and see how you actually close the game in the final minute. In the final minute, when the score was 108-106 for the Kings, Lakers down two. Lakers had a full timeout called at 7.8 seconds left, down two. Obviously, Frank Vogel draws up the play for LeBron James to do his thing, you know, to make it a spectacular comeback game after a, a lengthy absence and get the game winner or at least tie the game up and go to overtime. This guy decides to pull up for a 32-foot three-pointer, missed. I mean, he did that for the first time when they got uh, when DeLon Wright took a foul before the shot, so they had to take a side out of bounds. LeBron James gets this, basically the same look, misses again, and now the Lakers had no choice but to take a personal foul with basically less than a second left in the game, and then they lost the game. So, I mean... I know it's his first game back and maybe three, four, five games later, he's going to look more or less of who we think he was for this season before he got injured as well as, you know, last year, how he performed in the bubble in the playoffs. But that game particularly wasn't a great look. And every game matters at this point for the Lakers because with the Lakers, LeBron came back. I'm sure that if his team was playing well, he might've come back a little bit later, but because his team's struggling lately, going three of seven, three and seven in their last 10 games, three wins, seven losses. They're currently sitting six in the Western Conference. Just a game and they're ahead at, of the play-in. Exactly. Just a game ahead of the play-in, uh, ahead of the Portland Trailblazers right now, who will currently have a three-game winning streak. So I don't know what the Lakers are going to do, but they cannot afford to get down and get themselves into that play-in tournament scenario because who knows? 
those games with it's like March Madness, do or die, a single game elimination, you don't know what's going to happen. And I would think that with the Mavericks basically having the same record as the Lakers, they should overtake the Mavs for the fifth seed. And if that actually happens, then we all get what we want in an L.A. showdown for the first round with the Clippers and the Lakers. And I'm sure that the Lakers don't want to take that risk. So they need to start winning some games and they need to start climbing up that ladder, man, because it's going to be a tough first round. But let's move on to another comeback within the NBA, another superstar. Obviously not at the caliber of LeBron James, but LaMelo Ball. I'd say he's potentially a front runner for Rookie of the Year, despite him having a being out due to that, that wrist fracture for almost a month. LaMelo Ball made his return against the Detroit Pistons. And obviously the Charlotte Hornets had a win. He had some really good highlights within that game, especially with that quarterback-like assist to a pretty much a full court assist to Miles Bridges. That just shows you, man, these these two already have a connection development. He did have a decent game stat-wise, 11 points, 7 rebounds, and 8 assists. He only played 27 minutes. He looked good out there. And right now, the Charlotte Hornets are sitting 8th in the East. I believe their main goal right now is to get out of that playing tournament. Luckily for them, the Miami Heat and Boston Celtics are tied for 6th and 7th seed. And they're a game and a half behind them. But what's your thoughts on LaMelo's return? And what does that do for the Charlotte Hornets? Could they potentially squeeze out of that playing tournament? I'm not sure if they could make it into the top six to avoid the play-in scenario, only because Boston's somewhat playing better these days with the resurgence of Jason Tatum actually playing like the budding superstar that he is uh, with the 60-point uh, performance in, in his last game, coming back from a 32-point deficit against the Spurs. Probably the game of the year, probably the game of his life, to be honest. But... With the Atlanta Hawks, though, they're, they just got trade back. So they're currently sitting at the fifth slot. Now, between f- fifth and sixth, Atlanta Hawks, Boston Celtics, and we could always put Miami Heat in there as well. They basically have the same record as the Celtics. Five, six, and seven is somewhat interchangeable. And they're only a half game difference between all three of them. But Charlotte now getting LaMelo back, I know they're still without Gordon Hayward. And, you know, Graham is kind of day to day. But LaMelo coming back is a huge add to their roster, as their coach would put it. It's a breath of fresh air. And with LaMelo, how he came back last night, he's like his brother in a sense where shooting the ball might not be their forte. I think that just runs in the family. But everything else, like you mentioned, eight assists, seven rebounds, two blocks, one steal in just 28 minutes. And the most important thing for me was he was plus 19 meaning that when he was on the court, his team outscored the Pistons by 19, which is a huge thing for his first game back. Yes, granted that, you know what, he had five turnovers, but at the same time, like you mentioned, the flash, the swag, the aura that he carries, the affection that he has from his teammates is contagious. His play is contagious. I saw the game live and you could tell LaMelo wanted to get back there on the court. He was yelling to his teammates, let's go, let's go, give me the ball, give me the ball, come on, let's run, let's go up and down. And you can see that when he made that that full court quarterback type pass underhanded, I was like, whoa, right into Miles Bridges. And, you know, he just had a layup right there. But LaMelo, for sure, I mean, I don't know how this is going to translate into the Rookie of the Year award. I definitely do think that he is more deserving than Anthony Edwards, even though Anthony Edwards might be putting up better numbers now uh, in the later half of the season compared to the first half. But LaMelo, for sure, I I believe his name and his brand is a lot better and is a lot stronger than Anthony Edwards. But with the Charlotte Hornets, 
I'm not sure how far they can climb up the standings, but more than likely, I would say that they're going to be stuck in the play-in scenario. Yeah, I guess it was a uh, – I know you, you did a little slander there for the Ball brothers, but uh, just shout-out to his bigger brother, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Lonzo Ball. He, he had a decent game. They both played the game around the same time. New Orleans Pelicans beat the Timberwolves 140 to 136 in overtime. And LaMelo Ball had had his career high, and his career high was only 33 points. But he damn near had a career high, 11, uh, 11 rebounds, 8 assists. And uh, he's due for a big payday this summer. I don't know how big, but, hey, man, LaMelo's definitely putting, applying pressure on his neck. And uh, he needs to step it up just moving forward in his career because LaMelo is coming into this league, and he's not stopping anytime soon. But let's move on to the other return. This does definitely deserve to be the starting topic, but, you know, LeBron James really stole the show. So bonus from the Indiana Pacers. So he's been out for quite some time and he actually had a huge return. And what a return, Jay. So the Indiana Pacers beat the Oklahoma City Thunder. They had a really, really interesting game. This game was 152 to 95 points, 57 point difference. It was the largest road win in NBA history. And at one point during this game, the Indiana Pacers led by as many as 67 points. And that was pretty intense. So just the fact that Indiana had this huge run, it just really goes to show you that Sabonis really had a huge impact. And he he definitely did not have any rust just coming back from that injury. And he had a triple-double. He just stepped on the court for 29 minutes, man. And he had a triple-double, 26 points, 19 rebounds, 14 assists. Man, I don't even know what to say. I mean, you could brush over the five turnovers, obviously. Uh, you could call that injury rust. But what's your thoughts on Sabonis' return and, and this huge history win on the road? Yeah, Sabonis was definitely missing Indiana. They clearly struggled without him. And last night, without Miles Turner and without Malcolm Brogdon, they definitely needed Sabonis. I mean, not necessarily against Oklahoma City Thunder, but it was a huge, huge comeback win for Sabonis because, like you mentioned, triple-double, but he actually had a triple-double by halftime. The guy had 22-11 and 11 at, 11 at and the 11, half, yeah. right? which was ridiculous. And to me... He shot the ball really well, going 10 of 13 from the field, 2 of 3 from the 3, and he was plus 49 in just 30 minutes. That's ridiculous. The fact that this guy had a plus 49 stat, oh, my gosh. I mean, they he – almost, He almost broke Gary Trent Jr.'s record with the most plus minus. It was the most ridiculous thing. I mean, I, I lost interest at halftime because I was, like, looking at this, and they were up, they were up huge. So, Sabonis coming back to the Pacers is great news for Indiana fans because – now they can actually at least make it into the play-in with the, the current standings as is right now that they're sitting on the ninth slot. Just a game back from the Charlotte Hornets for the eighth slot. I'm not sure if they can I think it's safe to out. say it's safe to say that they're in the play-in tournament. It's just a matter of trying to get that eighth seed and get that advantage. Yeah. So right now, because if you look at it, the three teams that are on the outside looking in, for the play-in scenario are the Bulls, the Raptors, and the Cavs. Now, the Cavs are not even going to get in there. Like, I don't even know why they're not at their 22 games. Yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll be eliminated by tonight. <laughs> and then you look at the Raptors. The Raptors, they lost three in a row. I thought maybe they're going to come back with, you know, their main guys being healthy now. But, no, it's not looking that way. And then the Bulls basically have the same record as the Raptors. And they're three games back of the Wizards. And I don't think the Wizards want to lose that 10 slot and yeah, get themselves Levine. out of the – and Levine's out for another week, so the Bulls are pretty much out of it. Yeah, and, and Vucevic is also out right now. So that's basically not bring a the very tanks good out. look. Yeah, bring the tanks out. And with the Wizards, uh, you could tell that Beal and, and, and Westbrook like definitely don't want to miss the playing scenario. I think that they 
they owe it to themselves to at least give them a shot of making the first round of the playoff. So kudos for Sabonis having an amazing game. You know, great, great news for Indiana Pacers fans. But unfortunately, it doesn't look like they're going to move any more higher into the Eastern Conference standings uh, other than maybe just a slot or two higher, but still going to be in the, uh, the playing scenario. All right, let's talk about the Los Angeles Clippers against the Denver Nuggets. It was a nationally televised game last night. It also showed us the return of Kawhi Leonard, Mr. Load Management himself. But believe it or not, he was actually out with a real injury this time. But unfortunately, they lost 104 to 110 against the Denver Nuggets, the Jamal Murray-less Denver Nuggets. Kawhi Leonard did have a decent game shooting-wise, but he did not just produce enough just for looking at the amount of minutes that he played. He played 30 minutes, only scored 16 points, five rebounds, six assists. I mean, it was he looked rusty out there, but the Denver Nuggets really outplayed the Clippers. And the fact that they're just nine in one since the Jamal Murray injury, it goes to show you, man, if the Denver Nuggets face the Clippers in the playoffs again, I wouldn't be surprised if they beat them. The Clippers did not look too good out there. Rondo did have a decent game, but he definitely did not look like playoff Rondo. I just think that the Clippers really need to step it up. But uh, what's your thoughts on uh, Kawhi Leonard's return and the Los Angeles Clippers could potentially look like heading into the playoffs? Yeah, with Kawhi coming back, uh, he was definitely missed uh, within the Clippers uh, organization for what he can do on the floor. Kawhi, though he only played 30 minutes and uh, only racked up 16 points, he did have six assists and five rebounds. And he shot the ball well, going 7-12 to uh, from the field and 2-3 or three from three. However, I believe that the Clippers, they, they really need to amp up their play, especially with the playoffs uh, starting just later this month, only because the Nuggets, like you mentioned, are without their second best player in Jamal Murray. And I know that the play of Michael Porter Jr. has been amazing so far uh, in his absence, especially you know in the last 10 games where the Nuggets are 9-1. But Clippers, you're at home. You basically have your healthy squad. You got two superstars on your team. You got to close this thing out. And what it came down to was at the 206 minute mark in the fourth quarter, the Clippers, with the help over John Rondo, just cut it, cut the uh, Denver lead to three. It was 101 98. Now, in the next scoring play, it might have been a questionable call to some, but Jokic did get fouled. And Jokic ends up making three free throws. And then the Nuggets have a six point lead. Now, from this point on, this is the difference between who was the best player on the court last night. Was it Jokic? Was it PG? Was it Kawhi? Who was it? It was Jokic. Jokic made the play when the Clippers cut their lead to three. He shot three free throws, made all three free throws, got them a six-point lead. And then when he got doubled at the 108-minute mark, he made a pass to the other side of the court to a wide-open Faku Compasso for a corner three. Now, the, the Nuggets are up nine, and from that point on, it was it was a wrap. I mean, DeMarcus Cousins made it interesting towards the very end there, but we all knew that once Denver basically got up nine with basically a minute to play, it was all but over. So Jokic, as he's proven all season long, he is the front runner and the clear-cut favorite to win the MVP award. What he's done for that team, especially with Jamal Murray going down, in their last 10 games going 9-1, and one, and obviously putting up those amazing numbers game in and game out, I don't think it's even close at this point. I, I really don't. So the Nuggets, I believe they're a serious threat, and they should not be overlooked. And moving forward, provided that the, the others, as Shaq would call them, keep supporting Nikola Jokic with great play 
And that includes the guys like Afaku Campazo, a PJ Dozier, an Aaron Gordon, and now a budding all-star type in Michael Porter Jr. I think the Nuggets really have great momentum going into the playoffs. Yeah, I agree. Just the fact that they even overtook the Clippers. And right now they're the third and the Clippers are the fourth. Uh, that just That's a huge statement right there. I'm excited, man. The playoffs are really around the corner. I guess we're just, like I said, probably a couple weeks away. Playing tournaments start on May 16th. And it's going to be a very interesting next few weeks because we're going to see a lot of changes in the standings. I'm excited, man. But that's that's all for today's episode. Looking forward to the next one. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Catch you on the next one. Catch you guys next time.